Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Kariga and Felicia. You know, I think what happens when we do that, it's just like the common practice of us to stand side by side. Right? I love that. I think that's what's happening. It's not like this kind of fake compliment. It's really because I understand how language is written. But in real life, you're by my side every day. As long as we together, nothing can defeat us. Hey, real stuff. I'm the only case you think of. Sacramento love. Felicia. Shout out to Dre T. Yeah. (laughs) Great music, great art. Yeah. uh, Great storytelling. But I very much do feel that way. And I'm not afraid to. I don't feel like I am not put first. No, that's not even. You know? Nah, this this level of the practice, it's, it comes with an inherent understanding mm-hmm. of the partnership mm-hmm. and the reciprocity that we give one another when we show up Yeah, yeah. for ourselves, for one another, and for this community that listens with us, right, for Soul Affirmation. So thank you all for coming to the space. Thank you for building this community with us. Uh, just grateful, grateful, grateful for the ways that we're growing. Uh, grateful for the feedback we're getting from you all. Uh, grateful for the your tuning in, you know, like, and the feedback we're getting in real life. Like yeah. folks who are listening to the podcast are reaching out on other platforms mm-hmm. or reaching out to us while we're on a walk. Yeah. So these are exciting things. These are exciting and new things. I'm I'm grateful again to just be standing here with you. Yes. And uh, taking part in this work. I deem it as light work, mm-hmm. light uh-huh. work as defined by what we all inherently are born with and have in us, but circumstances sometimes work overtime to dim it, mm. you know? And yeah. I appreciate that we are able to stand in understanding what the light is and reinforce reminders so that we are able to choose it when those circumstances try to dim it. Yeah, I like how you describe those circumstances working overtime to dim our light. And this Soul Affirmations podcast serves as a space to help us remember our goodness. Mm-hmm. Help us remember our light. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us how help us remember how to fasten to it, especially when we are experiencing adverse circumstances. Man. We need the reminders. I was thinking about it. In honesty and transparency before even coming to this space with you, just in ways that there might be some kind of interference in Mm. that light, Mm -hmm. whether it's the busyness of the day, different ways that fatigue can show up because of different circumstances. Mm -hmm. But the practice is recognizing it and reframing. It's, as I said, a practice. It requires intentional work. <laughs> and like I'm tired today. And I I may not have I may not have treated you as kindly as I normally would had I not been so fatigued. But I, it, I didn't treat Kariga bad today. No, no, no. No. <laughs> let me just say and, and let you be the author of that, right? Yeah. I didn't treat, I didn't treat Kariga bad today. <laughs> I didn't treat Kariga bad today. But what what did I do, babe? I was Kariga had reminded me of a goal that I had, but I was tired 
and I didn't appreciate him reminding me of my goal. And I was just like, can we just do one thing at a time, please? <laughs> this this is true. And I just took that as a sign of, okay, we'll try again. My goal was working out, y'all. And I, <laughs> but it was raining. And I guess I just reminded her at a bad time. Nah, uh, but, but it was like he was looking for a moment to remind me. He was like, it looks like the rain stopped for just a couple of minutes. You want to, can I, can I notice that the rain stopped, please? Thank you, babe. At, at your pace. <laughs> And what y'all what y'all hear right now, real time, right, is not even the fascinating thing is this isn't an argument, but nor is it <laughs> nor is it even a disagreement. This is actually Felicia processing her own feelings out loud within herself, right? And she's including me as if I was part of some opposition when really I wasn't part of opposition or anything else. No, he's right. But it's important to remember that this is what happens under fatigue. Yes. So imagine if you have a partner who loves you gently enough to know that you need rest or to know that you're tired or to help you insert to be more mindful about your rest so you can attain your goals. I think the idea that like life is in this constant pursuit of goals, Mm -hmm. the idea that life is in this constant pursuit of goals is unnatural to me Mm. and it's unfounded and it's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. I think that the quality of life enhanced by time for rest and reflection enhance the ability to sustainably pursue goals. Goals aren't about achievement for other people's recognition. Goals aren't about a social norm that's happening in your peer group. Yeah. Right? Like I'll always bring it up and I'm I really deeply do celebrate it when I see my peers become homeowners. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. when that goal is associated with your personal goal, but it's informed heavily by peer behavior. Mm. Right. It doesn't feel like a a true goal for me. Mm. Uh, I need my goals to come intrinsically. I like the, that. the ideas of these goals being external and measured by other peer performance. They don't sit well with my sustainability. Mm. So when I think about goals and I think about sustainability and wellness, um, inherent in that is a quality of life that includes rest. Mm. So when you was uh, getting real spicy with me earlier. Oh, spicy. I knew, I knew, I knew that it was just. I don't like that. I don't like that description. You don't like spicy? Nah, I don't like that. All right, well, all right, all right. All right, not spicy. When, you when getting, I was, when when I was having my citrus, little. citrus. When you were getting real citrus. Real citrus. citrus. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> appreciate that we were able to kind of process what I was experiencing well, the, I, in a transparent way, but yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the, not I think, why we're here. So, well, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But I think in real time, I think in real time, that is, that's not production. That's the living. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's where we want to meet the audience. Yeah. Right. And yeah. through lived experience. Exactly. So not just reference, but the ones that are happening real time. In real time. And in real time, last week, we talked a little bit more in depth about your experience with understanding grief through the loss of your brother to gun violence and the intersection that your students played as your grief mentors. So we're going to we're going to start with the affirmation that we closed with last week, which is on page 54. So don't forget to touch your neighbor. With consent. With consent. If they're having a hard time getting to page 54, just show them how to get there. And 
It reads, <laughs> a grudge feels like power until you experience the power of love. Healing is liberating. Mm. A grudge feels like power until you experience the power of love. Healing is liberating. Yes, healing is liberating. And there's always this conversation around like, how do we begin the healing, right? Um, where we experience offense or wherever we have a grudge. All right, so today I read something online and it said, how do you forgive someone who isn't sorry? Mm. And what was the illest thing? A soul affirmations uh, supporter mm -hmm. commented on that thread. And the person wrote, you don't. You forgive yourself. Ooh. And I understood exactly where that was coming from, from our conversations around this this particular soul affirmation supporter and myself have both lost brothers to gun violence. And we've had at length conversations with one another about the honesty of the process. So I think that when we talk about healing is liberating, the act of forgiveness can happen not just to the person who has caused your harm, especially where there hasn't been room for reconciliation or to actually hold a process and what many of us find is that the forgiveness that many speak of, we have to offer ourselves. We are learning how to have grace with ourselves. We are learning how to be patient with ourselves. And we also have the power to forgive ourselves for the ways that we might have experienced anger or rage longer than we planned to. <laughs> It's not the idea exclusively that anger is bad or rage is bad. Yeah. Those are true feelings that are allowed to, for us to happen, right? Like, I also think of them as evidence of the love yeah. for that person, as evidence of the connection. Yeah, I do like that framing. It's evidence of the love, evidence of the connection. It's just, it looks different on the spectrum. Yep. And I think, yeah, evidence of the love, evidence of the connection, and evidence of this irreconcilable moment yeah that is not consistent with the path of love or connectedness you plan to hold with that loved one oh. so it's then interrupted by the act of someone else mm -hmm. so i want to take a second and just talk about the idea of forgiving ourselves man so, crazy as it sounds <laughs> it was something that i had to learn one i had to learn it was an option and then i had to learn how to explore it 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 isn't a common option that i actually heard of coming up when i heard about forgiveness it was always in the context of forgiving others yeah right as we yeah. forgive those who trespass against us yeah right so we have all this context that supports the forgiveness happening that way but the, the idea of forgiveness that I hold, um, as it is described for me through a biblical text, is that I am also one of God's creations. So if we forgive those who trespass against us, there is this experience where sometimes we go against ourselves, right? 
Mm. When we are not in support of ourselves, when we trespass against ourselves to the extent that the harm that someone causes us then causes us to treat ourselves in a harmful way. Mm. The harm someone else causes us then causes us to treat ourselves in a harmful way. I understand that lived experience very well. In fact, soul affirmations, I talk about uh, on the back, it actually says, somewhere along my journey to find peace after losing my brother to gun violence, I made the decision to let love win. I found there was too much pain occupying love's territory. Mm -hmm. And anger as a response to the pain they caused me would only make me a participant in my own suffering. Mm. Anger as a response to the pain they caused me would only make me a participant in my own suffering. So when I when I recognized that I was participating in the conditions that were causing my own suffering, and this isn't like a one-time behavior um, or not even like escapism. It was it was this idea, this feeling of rage that I would have come over me. Um, and this rage wasn't exclusively in one, uh, like just to make it very clear, when I experienced the harm of losing my brother to gun violence and the feelings that are coupled with that, surrounding my values, surrounding my virtues, surrounding being his younger brother, what does the path look like? A whole lot of harm enters your thinking. A whole lot of anger, a whole lot of retaliation entered my thinking. Yeah. Could be informed by my values growing up, where I grew up, how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we had an inherent responsibility to look after each other whenever we left the house. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to make it home. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you have this big family, it's not that you're looking for trouble, it's that you are protecting and defending your family from trouble it might cause some good trouble as some would say right (laughs) but the idea is truly you have to learn how to navigate that in your adult being it's like the values and the virtues and the practices that translated or that you live by in childhood don't always accurately transition into adulthood Hmm. and that's a hard path to reconcile What do I actually do in this situation? So I remember the deep anger. I remember the deep rage. I remember the fevers. I remember very few people understanding like the extent of my rage. Can I I, I share something very honestly? Yeah, please. All right, so check. First things first. I love when a black life is freed from behind bars Mm -hmm. okay it's important to me Mm -hmm. that we return home able to be assets to our community able to be connected to our families mass incarceration is certainly a problem and tries to disappear problems without solving them Mm -hmm. so big ups for bobby Schmurda, right coming home Mm -hmm. but i want to just name that in 2014 it's, I, I'm I'm bugging because I can't remember the name of the song, but it also shows you how I was feeling about the song at the time. Right, right. But it's the it's a single, though, right? Yeah, it was a single, right? It was the one that was blowing With up the, all over. Yeah, and <laughs> and all I remember is everybody saying, uh, 
just caught a body about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, at that time, like some of my peers who were saying it, you know, just playing along with culture and, you know, hip hop music and singing along. But I, I was, I was enraged. Right. Every time somebody talked about catching a body about a week ago, first things first, I didn't believe them. I didn't believe a single word they was talking about. Exactly. I didn't believe that they were in that deep pursuit of revenge like I was. I didn't believe that they had fevers and were sick like I was. I don't believe they contemplated and had plans like I don't I didn't believe them. So while they're singing along to this music, I'm feeling so separate from that world. Mm. Cause I don't I don't believe you look like you're smiling. You look like you're having such a good time. I don't know if you understand my rage. And that rage lasted that whole summer. Yeah. That rage impacted the way I could experience black spaces. <laughs> right? You remember when we went to uh, Essence? Mm-hmm. Essence Fest. And you're talking about a couple who has a deep love for black people and the black experience. But in that time in my life, I just couldn't trust. Yeah. Because I didn't understand the circumstances by which my brother's life was taken in such proximity. So everything felt like a threat to me. Mm. So the rage that I was experiencing was also interrupting my ability to experience my people. Mm. Now, let's just pause there for a second. Mm -hmm. Because think about what happens in the black male experience when there have been so many experiences with distrust according to harm we experienced, that it interferes the way we can show up in future endeavors, right? So if I can't trust you, if I don't feel safe around you, the likelihood of conflict or the likelihood of me defending myself because I think I need to defend myself because I do not have trust or safety, well, then I see how that perpetuates the violence, the yeah. harm, yeah. yeah, right? And it's just transference of harm. Yeah, I'm not calling it anything else other than transference of harm, mm-hmm. right? Transference of harm by proximity. Yeah. So that those closest to you are going to feel it first. So I think there's a lot embedded in this. Like it's not just rage toward one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rage and or anger in my experiences they don't come um, to be rational yeah they are those feelings have tried to fully consume me they don't just want a little bit of me Mm -hmm. and that is the space where I started to explore forgiveness for myself wow thank you for breaking that down Riga I can recall a conversation a few years ago, and you might remember this conversation too, and you probably helped me navigate through understanding his perspective, but I'm referencing our uh, younger brother, James, who at the time was still in high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. I call him younger brother, but he's he's actually a student of Korea's, first at Shad, uh, the school we mentioned in a previous episode, but neither here nor there. I remember having a conversation with him and trying to understand his distrust of other black boys in proximity to him. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite understand why there wasn't this first instinct to 
have um, a bond or a connectedness with or this this love, right? But his experiences um, validated a, something different. Mm-hmm. His experiences navigated his processing to choose differently when it came to his peers. And listening to you now break down how the rage and um, how the loss created a distrust in your community. Yep. And and also fueled by that rage informs choice behaviors of those who are in closer proximity to how did you how did you describe it? I'm sorry, I'm trying no, to No, I like I like I like how you talked about really quickly, I like how you talked about uh the harm creates distrust, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted his name really quickly that I think that the distrust we talk about like rage and anger. Mm-hmm. I think the distrust is one of the first uh, harm we experience. Think about what it means to not be able to trust your people. Man. That is no state of being you want to be live under. Mm-hmm. The inability to trust spaces that look like you. Mm-hmm. Like think about the violence that you're experiencing in your brain, in your emotions. Whenever you're in a space where you can't trust that looks like you. We already have tons of experiences that show us there isn't trust established between us and communities that don't look like us. Right. We already have experiences that show us we have the data. So I don't feel safe in communities that don't look like me and I don't feel safe in communities that do look like me. Then, Damn, where do I feel safe? Mm. I think that's the listening to this conversation and processing for the first time this way out loud. Yeah. I'm finding, I'm finding a real wound. Mm-hmm. The wound isn't just the anger. The wound isn't just the rage. The wound is this harm causing an inability for me to trust those who look like me. Yeah. And that, that psychosocial conflict that exists right within mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then informs our choice behavior that informs where we think we want to live, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And inform where we think we want to socialize and what experience we have, only to find out we weren't safe there either. <laughs> so that's 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 perplexed for me. And I would say for any listener, because <sighs> now I get it. Now I get it today differently than I ever had before. Yeah. And in and in practicing the love and practicing the grace, the forgiveness yeah. for myself, yeah. Today, I find myself more willing to practice that type of grace and forgiveness for those who try to move away from black people to feel safe, <laughs> only to find out they weren't safe in other spaces either. That it's not just this. I hate these conversations that get brought up when we start talking about. Um, well, when, whenever it comes up, when they, when they, they throw it out there and, and I'm just saying the they, the black on black crime, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they throw that out there. Well, what about this as compared to state sanctioned violence on black people, but it's really, it is violence on black people. Those things are so interconnected so interconnected in the process in, in 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 the process of the psyche on how it happens in choice behaviors yep 
It is. And the factors and the variables that drive what we call the violence. Yes. Because they're so deeply connected to um, economic resources. Mm -hmm. And we know that's controlled by. And and I really I really want to like. Not get on a. Social political. Dissection the ethos. Mm -hmm. But it's. But I think we're learning that it's almost impossible to separate the state of the black psyche in this country. Yeah. Separate of those systems we just named. Yeah. They inform they, they inform those the the psyche. Greatly. And our lived if experiences. Ex- yeah, if you exist and live in it, <laughs> it it informs your psyche. If you exist and you live in it, it informs your it informs your psyche. It is an input into the process by which a, a choice is made, right? So how, so if you got all those variables kind of stacked up against, like how am I even getting to this place of talking about forgiving Man. anybody, myself? Like, like, damn, that sounds like <laughs> a large jump to try to process all these things Yeah, in real time. It- and- <laughs> So I realized that for me, there was, I could not like put my finger on it, but I could feel the pressures mm-hmm. of racial constructs, racial tension, racism. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't put my finger on it, but I could feel it. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't put my finger on I mean, at one point in time, I couldn't put my finger on the gunman who took my brother's life, right? I couldn't, I didn't know who that person was. Right. But I could feel it. Yeah. And these things were creating these pressures. So the thing that I also recognized that I could feel was the way I was starting to respond to myself, you, mm-hmm. my family. Mm-hmm. But that was something I could put a finger on. I was aware of where it was coming from. So I think that's the first introduction we find, I find, that made me want to show up for myself differently. Mm. It's impossible to have the conversation about my brother's passing Mm -hmm. without contextualizing what that summer was for black life in America, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that is yeah, I think Mike you, Brown. Yeah, I think you had mentioned that, Mike yeah. Brown. So all these things are happening real time. I recognize there were outside variables that were also creating pressure for me. Mm. And I chose to relieve some of the pressures where I could mm-hmm. concerning my wellness. Mm-hmm. And that was going to include how I was showing up for myself and how I was showing up for those who love me. How I would be a part of my village, how I'd be a part of my family, that community. So when I talk about taking inventory of the things that are occupying love's territory, I recognize that this was based on an idea that I would need more of something. I have to find what that something was, Hmm. but I would need more of something else than what I was experiencing. So we start exploring like, what is this something else? What is it that I need more of? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's the only thing that was 
what was showing up for me in that time because it it wasn't justice right justice <laughs> wasn't giving me peace of mind um it, it wasn't justice because when i read the court dockets it was the was state of the california versus versus the shooter yeah right it's not it's it, not your family yeah, it doesn't <laughs> that's not about my family that's about the state mm-hmm. going after their debt mm-hmm. just okay it's not justice it's not going to give it to me um No one could give it to me. Um, church couldn't answer it. Nope. Um, at that point, you know, honestly, uh, I was not very connected to therapy. They did have services offered by the state for the family. Yeah. But they didn't have individual no. therapy. I remember. I remember the pamphlets and. Yep. But at that point, right? It's the it's the system offering you services. So there's a huge distrust. And going to them for their services. Mm. But I do remember this. I do remember. My mother. Declaring. The power and the virtue of love. For our family. Wow. I do remember her. um, Courageously framing that as our family value. As the thing that no one could take from us. When she said that, it caused me to take inventory. Was that true? Right? Is this mom just trying to keep her babies from right. turning to the men out there? Right. Right? Or is this true? So we had to, I had to really interrogate that word. Um, and it was as true as the sun that rises, <laughs> as every breath I take. That love was truly ours and no one could take it away. The only thing you could do was choose not to use it. And after having lived a life that was full of anger and revenge and just that pain, I wanted something else. I couldn't sustain it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sustain that Mm -hmm. anger. Mm -hmm. I am. I love that your mother offered that truth. And I think that it was, it's beautiful that she understood that at that time when it's so much easier to experience the anger and um, the, the, all the nuances of grief that show up in different emotions. Mm-hmm. I think what you said is very much true that what is required to understand that is your time that is needed in processing. Very much. I've, I've found in my experience with grief that there has been this rush to understand. Well, I won't say it's a rush, but I'll say that it was offered to me more than I would have liked about this understanding of this love that I have for my daughter who's no longer here. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the reminders, but let me work through it. Mm. Let me have my process to understand that. Don't Mm. jump me there because that won't sustain me. I have to be in it and experience it and lean into it to understand more about it. And I think what your mother did was she offered the reframe and you took intentional time to lean into that and experience that process for yourself to understand more about 
the love that is actually what we know to be true, right? The love is greater than anything. The love that you have for Kareem is greater than any, anything else anything. surrounding that circumstance. Absolutely. It's what brings us here today. Yeah. The anger didn't bring me here. No. It can't carry that far. I remember it, but it doesn't have the sustaining, caring power that love does. Yeah. It, it isn't able to do what love is able to do. Nothing is able to do what love is able to do, right? And mm. when we recognize that as a superpower, I start to try to make more room for it, mm-hmm. right? I love how you said they're offering you these things, but please don't rush me. Let me have my process because rushing me there won't sustain me there, yeah. right? It's like I have to go through each process to truly arrive at the sustainable place of this understanding or the ability to live with my with my new norm, how it's changed, Yeah. right? You got to remember like in the early months, you still have the muscle memory of that person being there. Right. You still want to hug them. You still want to call them. You still expect to hear their voice. If you had a schedule where you saw them Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you want to see them Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Like mm-hmm. the, the muscle memory of that grief is so real. Don't rush me to a place of trying to understand that they're not there. I need to come to this understanding in my own time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need room to, to have this understanding in my own time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just applicable in... The context of grief, this is this is real life where this has to be practiced. Initially, we're talking about forgiveness, what that looks like, forgiving ourselves, um, seeing that as even an option. Um, for you, I know you were speaking of it in the context of the rage that you experienced with your brother. But I also know that to be true when there is an offense or when someone does a different type of harm that that just, it hurts. Someone is not around anymore for whatever reasons they choose, right? And they're, I mean, we we can go on and on with with that particular scenario. And I think at some point I, I would like to talk about what different types of harm look like mm-hmm. and how it feels. But this this process of forgiving yourself, this process of understanding what's occupying love's territory is not something that just happens in grief. It happens in everyday life, whether someone says something to hurt your feelings or offends you in any way. Well, it happens anytime something infringes on love's territory. Yes. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> it happens if offense infringes. It happens if harm infringes. It happens if impatience infringes. Anything that infringes on love's territory. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what's love's territory? Yes. What is love's territory? I would define love's territory as my complete being. Mm -hmm. My complete being is love's territory. Hmm. How else did I arrive? How else do I come to be? How else do I sustain? Mm -hmm. My complete being is love's territory. And I take inventory of my being and I ask myself, well, what is in the way that I could possibly exchange? I could possibly remove and add a little more love. <laughs> what can I take out? What can I remove to have more love? Because what I find is that uh, the road ahead is uncertain mm. and the waters can get deep. Mm-hmm. And what helps me sustain most in those circumstances is love. Not anything else, not power. Not privilege, not money, mm-hmm. not positionality. Love is the only thing I find sustained. So 
I start to take inventory of the things occupying love's territory. And it makes me think about um, an illustration for this. Okay. Yeah. Right. Break, break it down for us. So check. <laughs> we went on a hike the other day. What park is that? Man, why can't the, I think of our park? Joaquin Miller. Thank you, Joaquin. Miller. When you said Joaquin, I said that's Joaquin Miller. <laughs> why can't? <laughs> yeah. So Joaquin Miller. So we in East Oakland, mm-hmm. and we go on this hike, and um, on this hike, you see people who are coming yeah. from the hike that you plan on going. Yeah. Or you might see folks like coming down while you're going up. Mm-hmm. Right now, we particularly like the sunset uh, hike. Is it that we like the sunset, or are we running late? In rushing. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Well, when the Baileys were here, we we couldn't quite get out sooner. But we're here. doing the. Um... <laughs> this is yeah. a real life experience. But, but the thing is, the thing is, I want just to let everybody know why I'm trying to get to that idea. You can't rush to a sunset because you'll miss it. You have to be there to receive it. So there's also messaging embedded in that. There's just some things you can't rush for. You just got to be there, be present. But um, on this hike, you see folks coming back and you're going up and you're paying attention. At least I'm paying attention to what they have on them, right? And the ones who do it efficiently, they don't have a lot of extra baggage. Maybe just a camel pack of water. Right. Mm. And the really, really advanced hikers, you can tell by their shoes because they know they're going on a hike. Yeah. If they have just like some, they know the road ahead. But you recognize that folks who are taking this journey, they don't have a bunch of extra things. And I think that serves like it's a perfect illustration of what you need on the journey ahead. Just like a hike is unpredictable. So is life. So you carry more of what you need in exchange for what you don't need. And I find that love is that thing that we need, whether it's a hike, whether it's a real life journey, we take inventory of what's occupying love's territory by virtue of putting down the things that we don't need for the journey. It takes some longer than others to find it, but I'm just grateful that I got to the place to start taking inventory. And start configuring my life in a way that is sustainable. Thank you for that illustration, Rika. I think it's very much true and easy to understand. I'm trying to find an affirmation for the people that can close us out. I think I think I found one. If you touch your neighbor with consent. What page we on? Miss Hughes, what page 15 on? (laughs) (laughs) It's page six. And it reads, I am not bigger than love. Love is not bigger than me. In love I live and love lives in me. I am love. Mm. I am not bigger than love. Love is not bigger than me. In love I live and love lives in me. I am love. And I think that I think it's I think it's applicable to how we define what is love's territory, right? It's our complete being. Mm-hmm. So this is a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's this idea that we are connected to it. It isn't separate of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's part of us. We aren't bigger than love. And love isn't bigger than us insofar as we belong to it. So it's less about the comparison of size and just about the belongingness. When you recognize that you belong to love and that love belongs to you. You don't let anybody take that from you. That's your right. You get to live that way. And you realize that harmful, harmful behavior just can, is connected to maybe harm that somebody else experienced. You ask yourself, do I want to be a participant in my own suffering? Or do I want to help alleviate the conditions that cause my suffering? And that's what this affirmation is an invitation to. Helping us alleviate the conditions that cause our own suffering. May we all love more abundantly. May we all love more abundantly. Massive love. I really appreciate you bringing us to this practice, this conversation today. I hope that it was useful uh, to folks who are really out there navigating that interpersonal space. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope that the idea that you can forgive yourself uh, adds to the liberation that somebody can experience out there. Mm. It took me some time to find it, but I'm grateful that I found it. I'm grateful that you found us on this podcast today. We would love if you chose to rate, review, and even follow us. Follow us. Leave us a question. Yeah, let us or know. Just how, let us know how it feels. Sorry. Yeah. Or just let us let us know if there's something you want a little more clarity on. Yeah. Because I understand how these uh, podcasts can move, mm-hmm. and the the great lengths they travel. So if you would like any refining, if you have any questions, uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to interrogate. Yeah. If you if you had an experience <laughs> that's inconsistent with what we're saying, I'd love to hear that, too. I would. Yeah. So we can all love more abundantly. Yeah. Big love. Thank you for tuning to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. <laughs> Peace. Peace.